Hi again, everybody. Welcome to your Life's Work Podcast. I am J.R. Mann. You are listening to Day 37 on the big social media fast series that we're doing right now. From January 1st to February 9th, I've been fasting the Soch, Insta, the Face, and the Twits, all in an effort to do one thing, and that's reach out to the people that I love, intentionally move into their space and go, hey, how you doing? So I'm saying, how you doing? And I'm asking you if you're doing that. Social media has got us backed up to the wall. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And so skinning yourself off of that stuff and taking your fingers off the phone and instead putting your lips on it is a whole lot better. Or getting a cup of coffee and sitting down with a friend and asking how you're doing is the way to move. So that's what these last 40 days have been about. And we're on day 37 and we're almost over. And I'm kind of happy because doing a podcast every day is it's a load, man. Today on the big show, Nathan Kolar, pastor, Nashville, Tennessee, pastors a church called Graceland Church, and it's in Franklin, right outside of Nashville. He's fantastic. He's just a wonderful guy, one of my very dearest friends. We're going to talk about church porn and letting go, and he's got lessons. For those of you out there planning churches, starting businesses, because church planning is a it's a grind, man. He's got some great understanding on not only how to let go as you're moving into that space, but also maintaining it with your community. Nathan Kolar, he's the man. I'm JR Man, JRMan.com, spiritual director, mentor. I love you. Here's Nathan. Yeah, what's the temperature out there, baby? It is 66 right now. It, it warmed up. It was colder the last few weeks. We were down into the 30s uh, for a little while there, but now we're 66, so pretty normal. Dude, we're rocking it. It's raining. Dude, we're rolling. We're rocking it. You're you're on the big podcast, babe. Thanks for thanks for doing this. And sorry about yesterday. These sick kids, man. Have you have have all your kids ever had the flu at once? Uh, no, that sounds unbelievable. Dude, I'm just telling you right now, we had the kids like, what, 12, 13 years. We've never had them all sick together. It's been like a roller coaster of craziness. Yeah, that's brutal, man. Well, I hope everyone's feeling better. Yeah, good. So um, so here's what I've been up to for the last almost 40 days is I decided, hey, I'm, I'm fast in social media. I'm coming off it. And... Uh, I mean, you know, it kind of bore out of the whole idea that we really don't do this enough. We really just don't, we don't move intentionally. Like, social media has just gotten so autonomous that we kind of forget about everybody and, and, you know, we just like everybody's crap. So I've been calling somebody every single day and saying, hey, you're you're in my life. You've meant a lot to me. And you're you're one of those guys, obviously. Um, Tell everybody who you are, where you are, and what you're doing. Yes, man, I'm happy to be on. First of all, thanks for thinking of me. Uh, I consider you a dear friend as well and mentor and someone that encourages me a lot and challenges me a lot. My name is Nathan Kolar. I've got a wife named Jessica. We've been married about, I guess, 12 years, and we got four kids, three girls, and now a little boy who's six months old. And uh, now we're officially done, which feels good. <laughs> and it's a new season of life. Uh, we were in L.A., not too far from you guys for eight years. And that's when we first met. You were in Columbus. We were getting ready to go to L.A. to plant a church in Santa Monica. And uh, you were a great voice in our life for that process as the Hollywood pastor. Yeah, babe. And I believe you were even you were even one of our uh, guests and shared some thoughts at our very first kind of event that we ever did 
Yeah. Santa Monica that's pushing back like nine, ten years now. Dude, and, uh, so long. Isn't that crazy? Crazy, huh? Yeah. Uh, feels like a blink of an eye, but we we got to plant a few churches there in L.A., loved it, got really established, thought we would never leave, uh, but then in the fall of 2017, so a little over a year ago, <clears throat> I got pretty stirred up for the city of Nashville, enough so that I mentioned it to my wife, and at that point, the context we were talking about was maybe we'll plant another church in Nashville, and she had made it abundantly clear for years that we would never plant another church again, personally, <laughs> uh, just because it's a grind, it's kind of like starting a business, it's tough on your marriage and all that stuff, and um, I mentioned it to her just really casually, and to my shock, she felt really positive about it immediately, and it was way early, even in my own mind, but it kind of got my attention, started praying about it, talked to some mentors about it, sought God about it. And really, really quickly, within three months of that conversation, we arrived in Nashville. We turned over my church to my associate pastor there in L.A., transitioned the girls with their schools. We got out of our place. We got into a new place in Nashville. We didn't know people in Nashville yet. So that was in December of um, 2018 that we arrived here. And then the really quick story on what's happened here is we began building a team to plant a church. That felt miraculous already, and it, it had grown probably to about 45 people. And then I met a small church pastor, elderly, that was in Franklin, which is just south of Nashville. And um, they had a building, about 50 spiritual grandmas and grandpas, which <laughs> Jessica and I, for literally for nine years, our whole time in L.A., we prayed for mature spiritual grandmas and grandpas to be in our church. Right. And we never really pulled that off. It was hard to find people like that. We had a few elderly people, but they were all new Christians, so that's really different. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, the nine months into our journey here, we inherited this church and their building and their the people um, and their land. They, they own 135 acres of land in Franklin, Jeez. which is, yeah. to give you the picture, it's, Franklin is the most... You know, the Franklin area is the most booming part of the Nashville area and soaring in prices. So it's an insane thing to be dropped into our laps and to be entrusted with. So for the past five months, we've been stewarding that. You know, we facilitated the merger. We basically merged our church plant with this existing church. And it was, you know, essentially a bunch of people that were 50 and under, a lot in their 20s and 30s, with um, people that were in their 70s and 80s. Yeah. About... 50 on each side. So really, really incredible. And it's been, <clears throat> it's been one of the, the most amazing things I've ever gotten to be a part of in my life. And uh, so that's, yeah, so now we're here. We're technically in Franklin now, which is Nashville area. It's not, it's not that dissimilar from saying we were in LA, but we were actually in Santa Monica. So we, were actually, we weren't actually in LA proper. Um, we were in Santa Monica, kind of the same here. We're not in Nashville proper anymore. We're in Franklin. Yeah, well, being in Franklin's kind of like being in Santa Monica. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it this is like an incredibly wise thing. Like when I hear the story, this is an incredibly wise thing that that church did. Like to be able to give new life and new blood into a church, and to let you guys come in there and just you know, new generation yeah. that thing up. I mean, that's an incredibly wise thing. And frankly, you don't hear your or that story 
too often anymore. Like I've heard this story before, maybe like 20, well, maybe 30, 40 years ago. But what, what was, what is that? Well, I mean, cause there's a couple things that you said. Number one, church planning is harder than starting a business period. End of story. Like, I don't care what startup you're sitting in, in San Francisco, what you guys are doing and what you've done is it's just flat out harder than starting a business. So what do you attribute that wisdom to that those guys are like, hey, we need new blood. We want this thing to breathe. Like, what is that? Because that, it just sounds like great spiritual maturity around you. That's exactly what it is. It's really great spiritual maturity, and it flows from the former senior pastor here. His name is Ralph Duncan. He's 72 years old, and he's still here. He's now become the pastor emeritus, which is kind of a fancy word for retired but still here, like an right. honor an honorary pastoral position, and he actually, <clears throat> he hasn't slowed down one bit. He he hustles and works hard for anything I need him to do. It's unbelievable. He's also writing books now, but he, he planted a church in his 20s that grew to thousands of people, and is now, that church is 50 years old now and still exists, thousands of people strong over in another part of Tennessee. Then he did two terms at, in the House of Representatives for the state of Tennessee. Shut up. Politics. No kidding. Then... Yeah, then he traveled the world as an evangelist, and he was cut from the cloth where he would preach, like kind of the revival culture. He would preach one night, and stuff would happen. And this is just what he tells me. The presence of God would just be evident. Many people would get saved. And he tells me now he can't describe it. God was just doing it. And the pastor would say, you gotta, you got to stay another day and preach again tomorrow night, and we'll, we'll put this on TV. We'll tell everyone about it, and tons of people will get saved the next night. And every time he went somewhere, it turned into six or seven weeks straight of every night services. Yeah. The- so he's, he's got a crazy story. And here, he, for five years, they've been talking about, we need to find a successor or someone to merge with or someone to give this to for five years. Uh, the leadership here has been praying about this. So all to say, he has prepped their expectations, if yeah. you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's and, good. Uh, let it. He has led very, very, very wisely, and it's actually become what I call like a missional advantage for us to have these 50 truly kind, mature fathers of Jesus. You know, most of them, most of them have been married for over 50 years. So imagine putting young, struggling couple in the music industry. All of a sudden, you can put them in the same room with someone who's been married for 50 years and have been collectively walking with Jesus for over 100 years and saying, why don't you guys just talk this out a little bit? Like, that is incredible. And now we're able to just do that constantly and as, I, people, as our church grows. And, and it's got to be it's gotta be an unbelievable lesson or learning tool in letting go, not only for oh, him, yeah. but for you, because, I mean, ultimately what this guy's doing, right, is setting you up to do the same damn thing, like, over and over and over and over again as you populate you know, new people and new vision and, you know, new whatever you want to do to the Nashville area. I mean, so this letting go, because that's the only thing I really feel when I, the first time you told me this story when you called me and it was just overwhelming is, oh my gosh, there's such an idea of just letting go and allowing God to kind of move. Yeah, totally. And it's a huge testament to this pastor. In fact, we were, we had some outside counsel involved in this quite a bit, actually ended up being seven uh, people that I think of as kind of like big, 
bigwigs in my little sliver of church world sitting at a table before this all was official, talking it out, praying about it. We had outside counsel, and I kind of felt like the little kid in the corner, um, just kind of passively sitting there, right, seeing if right. this was going to happen. You know, and um, every uh, almost all of them said it's probably wise if Pastor Duncan, the former pastor, leaves for six months, just disappears, to let the transition happen. Yeah. And he offered to do that if that's what I would have wanted. But he also told me, if you want me to stay, and he said, I would prefer to stay, it's up to you. He said, if you want me to stay, what I'll commit to you is I, I will be your greatest support and cheerleader that you have ever had in your life. I will bring you every bit of information that I would ever think you would need, but then I will leave every decision to you. And as soon as I get any kind of idea that you want to go a different way, I'll stop talking and I won't even ask you why. And I'm with you. And so for five months so far, he's been exactly that. I'm talking like, I don't know that I've ever in my life felt like someone was praying for me as much or supporting me as much as I have in these five months with, with him. And that has fil- filtered into other other leaders in the church. And the other crazy thing is there are, we have seven retired full-time pastors in this church also, <laughs> which a lot of people say that can be a nightmare. But again, testament to the senior, former senior pastor. He led them to all be so healthy in their approach to this that I feel like I'm in a dream of support from them. Yeah, well, this guy, this guy needs to sprinkle that mojo on the American church, man. I mean, holy crap. We, I was just talking with a guy yesterday who had done a ton of ministry with me in the early 2000s. And we did some pretty outrageous things together and things that uh, still have a little lifeblood in them today. And we were saying it li- literally the opposite of what you just, what you just said. The, the, the opposite right. was so many instances where we saw people either disagree or not be able to get rid of the ego or not be able yep. to get rid of the metrics of who's coming or who's not coming. And they literally shake yep. the relationships from themselves. Like they, like they literally see, well, you, you're, you know, cause the line is you don't line up with me. So now we can't be together. And right. like, I'm just so, well, number one, I'm happy for you and Jess and the family because what you guys have gotten into just props up your gifts and your talent. But man, I wish people would get that. I wish I wish this guy could hold little seminars on how to <laughs> on on how yeah. to walk well, you know, people in. I think we're going to end up doing that. Honestly, we've already had requests. Now we're still in the honeymoon stage of this, so we have to understand that. But I don't I don't see it going south and like dive bombing. You know what I mean? And let me let me give you another few details of this to make it even more remarkable. I told them <clears throat> their board and the former pastor that. The only way I could do it, and this is under the covering of kind of my leadership, uh, like my parents' church, if you will, for our church plant. The only way I could do it was if they gave us everything. So they had to, their board had to vote to dissolve as a board. Their membership had to vote to give everything away to us. It wasn't like they Man. hired me. Yeah. It was like they gave it to us. Yeah. So talk about letting go. And, and when you have, like the land is probably worth $30 million currently. And it's appreciating so quickly, it's going to be worth $100 million in 10 years, probably. Right. Like, that's, the, that's what's happening in the area here. So when you have that kind of asset, and when you've invested your blood, sweat, and tears into a plant like this, because a lot of them, they only started this 20 years ago. 
And so they have invested their life into it. And um, they literally just let it go and had a posture of trust, and they continue to do so. And uh, what I was getting at was we've already had a lot of requests for um, speaking into other potential situations like this. And so we're recording. Someone asked if we would record a, uh, a DVD of Pastor Duncan and I and a few of the people that were involved in this on the leadership side to just talk through some of the things we worked out. Because it's, it's important to know we spent probably 30 hours deep dive, like drilling into an MOU, which is a, memora- a legal memorandum of understanding of every expectation, every possible worst case scenario, all in a legal document that we all signed. So there's a lot of like work that goes into doing it well and setting up uh, for success. But really the, the ultimate testament, you got to have a pastor who's willing to actually let go and you have to have whoever's coming in in my world has to be committed to not steamrolling the church, you know? Yeah. And I lost some of the people off my church planting team because I was so quick to, to just be like, okay, this is different than a straight church plant. It's a much more complicated leadership assignment. And we're going to approach it very differently. And um, a few of the people that were with me, including one guy who was going to be uh, like kind of a key associate pastor with me, I lost him over it. Um, And it wasn't negative or bad or anything. He was happy. I was happy. Um, But, you know, there's a price to pay with stuff like this is what I'm getting at. No, yeah. And in leadership, as you know, just from what you've done, obviously has, you know, has those kind of, uh, you know, spider webs to it. Um, my, so the big question, you know, so the big question I have now is, you know, your, you know, what you've taken in, what you've learned, what you're hearing inside of you. And one of the great, great things I love about you and have loved about you since the day I met you guys, um, is the fact that you're so authentic, so honest, so willing to share, so willing to like do the discovery of what's happening inside of you and, and how God's moving. So, so what are those key things? And I'll start with, <laughs> and it's just an easy question, I'll start with what are those things that you like, you know, when you're alone and you're in the solace of your own little moments, you're like, holy crap, man, I'm not sure I can handle that or this or that. Like, what are those big key things for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've had <clears throat> I've had a bunch of them, like I always do. <laughs> and it's hard to name a few key ones. I, I, one of the things I've been studying recently uh, is the Enneagram. Have you heard of that? Oh, absolutely. So I've done it for years. Um, you know, it's kind of a self-assessment tool. And what I like about it is it assesses not your personality or your gifts, but it assesses your core motivations, which is fascinating to me. And it gives you kind of like it's not like your core motivation isn't good or bad, but there's like a redeemed version and a sinful version, if you will. And it's like in us, you know? Yeah. So I, one of the things I've recognized big, big time about me is I'm definitely mostly a three on the Enneagram, which the core motivation there, and this is, I hate even like confessing this because it's embarrassing, but the core motivation is the need to be successful. And each of the nine has a different one. And so it's called, I'm called the achiever, yep. and, and, and it's not just the need to be successful, it's the need to appear successful, which is just so sinful, you know, and it's so gross and ugly. But as I learned that about myself and my tendency to want to perform or project uh, in, in a situation like this, one of the ways that manifests is, um, uh, you know, 
couple of things. Like I'll give you one practical example. I want this whole merger to be an an immediate, absolutely incredible, blow your socks off success. I want it to distinguish itself above any other merger that's ever happened. Like all these, all this terrible selfish ambition stuff. <clears throat> and that can drive me crazy because it's this inner drive that is impossible to live up to uh, that really messes with me. And it makes me a bad husband because it makes me frustrated because I can never live up to my own desire of what I feel like I should be accomplishing. It makes me not as present with my kids because I, I have this inner thing. So what I can preach back to myself, you know, and my own self-talk is just talk that down. And, and in this scenario, one of the practical things that, that I've shifted in my personal leadership is we're not looking for like a flash in the pan kind of thing. We just want to slowly and steadily figure out what God is saying to us and get into healthy rhythms as a church and let it be what it's going to be and enjoy it and love people and thank God that we get to be a part of this and not worry as much about all the eyes that are on this because, because of the property that comes with it, um, a lot of the churches in the area had their eyes on this property. I'm they sure. They wanted it. Right. It prime piece of land, also businesses. So it kind of thrust us even more into like, all right, well, let's see what this kid is going to do with this kind of thing. Yeah. The, and I just have to not even yeah, the expectation. Yeah, it, it, and it's funny you bring up the Enneagram, and for those of you who don't know, we're talking about types of personalities, uh, reformer, helper, achiever, individualist, the investigator, the loyalist, the enthusiast, the challenger, the peacemaker. I'm a seven, yeah. uh, so I'm an enthusiast with a three bender, which is I also, I, so I'm a seven, but you know, straight out with a three line to it, which is also the achiever, and like you said... Yeah. I struggle hardcore with the whole idea that there's a performance level that must be maintained. So when yeah. you're presented with opportunity, particularly with opportunity that has a real grind for the world's sake, <laughs> you know, AKA yeah. a lot of land and a lot of money and a lot of power, yeah. you know, there's gonna be, there's gonna be all kinds of shenanigans that kind of, you know, crop out of any, anyone, anyone, like, you know, it just doesn't matter. So the, okay. So, yeah. uh, so, so that's like a huge understanding. Now you're a relatively young guy. How old are you again? 36. Dude, 36. Wow. My gosh. So at 36, what are some of those? And I, and again, I know you well enough and I so appreciate you sharing this with everybody. Cause this is a, such a great deal. What are some of those, what are some of the practical everyday steps that you're doing in your life to kind of keep that stuff at bay or to kind of have that daily reprieve, if you will, you know, away from yeah. the ego and away from the pride and, and, and letting go. And I mean, yeah. cause you, it sounds like you've got a mentor with this guy that you're being taught. This is how you let go. So yeah. what are some of those practical things you're doing every day? One is similar to what you've been doing, which is really being careful with social media. And what I do, because, you know, social media for a three, that's like fuel on the fire. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like the, whether it's comparison or even, even um, trying to manage our image to the world through social media, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and of course, wanting more engagement, whatever it might be, all kinds of silly stuff. And, uh, you know, in church world, people will call it church porn. You know, you can you can go down a deep dive looking at the biggest, greatest movement. 
groups of God or churches or leadership studies, whatever it may be, all around the world, and just, it's like looking at porn, you know, and it makes you dissatisfied with the reality of your life, and it twists twists up your mind, you know, like what pornography does. So I I have a, a kind of a thing that I do every day, especially the beginning of the year, like what we're in now, but I try to maintain it all year, and that's um, more scripture, less social media. So I try to really limit my social media. And here's, here's the real key point of it. Every time you feel an inclination to look at social media, which is a lot for me, um, instead of looking at it, open up scripture on your phone and be, be working through a chapter of the Bible that you're memorizing or like a key verse that you're memorizing. And it is absolutely incredible how much time you'll spend in the word of God when every time you want to look at social media, instead you go to a scripture and just spend some time meditating on it. So that's a huge one for me. Yeah. That, and I, so huge. That, that alone will be like personal revival for some people, you know? Yeah. The, the, uh, you know, it's funny that you bring up the social media thing and I, and again, I don't, I don't find any weird timing on this. The, I mean, it's 2019 and we're all starting to get it. We're starting to get it very, very clearly that there's nothing social about social media and it does quite the opposite. It has a very autonomous effect to the individual. And I agree, it's, especially when you're a three, man, because again, this, this idea that the ego is running your life in a performance and in a, like, you know, because I tell people all the time, the ego doesn't create a damn thing. That's all there is to it. It just yeah. it all it does is line up more opposition. So I love the fact that you that there's a recognition in that, and then and again I think there's a massive letting go in there because you're lo- you're allowing your life not to simply be your own. Like it's not just you. It's it it's this yeah. whole formation of something greater than yourself and you know community and and that brings me to you know a question that I not a question but just something I want to know from you. You've always been a great source of being able to bring community together. When I, one of the first times that we got together was you invited me to the Poconos, um, where you yeah. were where you were living to meet your team that was going yeah. that was everybody was like fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> about to yeah, about yeah. to jump in a car and drive to LA and start a church and you know it wasn't yeah. the I knew you guys would start a church I I didn't think that was going to be the issue but it was for me how are these guys going to stay together like that cuz I had seen so much ripping apart in community how what's the yeah. what's the bet like I got a lot of young pastors and a lot of church planning guys that listen to the podcast give them yeah. give them a real good idea of that that big thing that that you use every day to keep the people together. What is that? Um, probably two things. One of my biggest lessons in regards to this area is to make sure that your team or just the people around you know and actually believe that you care more about what God is doing in them than through them. That's good. You know, that tendency for a pastor to use people, you know, and even if it's not what he's intentionally or she is intentionally doing, um, people can feel used or like they're not living up to expectations. And uh, so I, I really build in reminders in my week all the time. And then the, the team leaders that I have in, in my church that oversee other people, I try to build into them our commitments to them. So I tell every person, my, my commitment to you is three things. One, to care more about what God is doing in you than through you. So first and foremost, I'm your pastor. I'm your friend. I want you 
you to flourish. I want your family, your life, your career, your finances, your, everything God has called you to do. That's what I want for you. I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to hold you captive to what we're doing here. I'm so glad you're here and all that, blah, blah, blah. That's first commitment. Second commitment is I commit to be current with you, meaning if I ever have a problem with you at all, I'm going to talk to you and only you about it. And you can take that to the bank. And I ask you to do the same for me. So we're going to be current together. We're not going to do like an annual review. We're going to be current. And that way, if someone comes to you, you know, if someone comes to you and says, um, here's what Nathan is saying about you, negative behind your back, you can know for sure that that is not true because I'm going to always talk to you. So that helps team. And then my third commitment to them is that I want to help them rise above every excuse in their life, which is kind of like a, after you say those first kind of gentle ones, this is the one where you're kind of like, you're pushing people, you know what I mean, to risk, to to use their gifts, to step out in ways they haven't stepped out before. So I think those things, if they can really be part of your culture, help a lot. But all the interpersonal stuff is still really difficult. But it has been amazing. We have not lost one uh, key friendship over these first 15 years of like full-time ministry, uh, including people that we've done some extreme stuff with. Like the team that we brought to L.A., the 10 adults, we're all still super tight, love each other. Some of them are still in L.A. Some of them are other places in the country. And that is, I'm really, really thankful for that. That's a real grace for us. Yeah. Well, dude, I know you got a call coming up soon, and we'll uh, and we'll end it in here. But, dude, uh, part of my, well, n- number one, I love those two suggestions. That's super, I mean, it's just fantastic. When I was running newsrooms early, early on in my career, and I cut my teeth as a manager, a leader, whatever you want to however you want to say that, uh, I too employed a lot of those same tactics to be able to stay in people's business as much as I possibly could, yeah. all with grace, all with love, all with forgiveness. Um, of course, when you're in a newsroom, it may sound a little bit different than it does in a, in a, in a church, but it all works out. That's what I tell people. Um, okay. Listen yep. to me. Part of my process in the last 40, last almost 40 days is to literally tell the people I'm talking to how much I love them, how much I care for uh, them. And, and dude, I love you and I care for you. You and your wife have inspired me and my family in ways that very few families have because what we watched you guys do, knowing the circumstances and knowing the city that you were going to, uh, it wasn't just like, oh, yay, they succeeded and we're proud of them. It was, you guys had longevity. You guys were in this, and you guys were not in it to win it. <laughs> you were in it to really transform and make a difference. And I, I still know people that I deal with today where you had that kind of influence in their lives. So I thank you for allowing me along on that journey. And, uh, dude, I'm just so proud of you. You're one of those guys that I think about, and I just get a real swelling of pride because um, I just think you're doing damn good work. So I appreciate your time today, buddy. Man, I, feelings are mutual. I appreciate the kind words. You and I are a major inspiration to Jess and I. You have been ever since we met you. We, we think of you as mentors and encouragers and challengers. And your gift to, I don't know if you remember one time I was in your living room when we were maybe a year into L.A., you're, the way God uses you to sometimes speak into the soul and really rattle things up was particularly messing with me that day. <laughs> but God uses it to expose stuff. And, man, I, I couldn't be more thankful for the friendship. And, and I, you know, I think our, our threeness together, I remember your little uh, 
bio on your some social media thing years and years ago was, um, I used to be somebody, now I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. I love that. I, I think about that little phrase because that helps me. I'm not trying to be somebody. I'm just trying to walk in the joy of the Lord and be faithful. Yeah, man. So your, your example is major in my life, and I thank you for that. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, dude, I appreciate you. Love you. And uh, go to it, dude. And I uh, can't wait for the next chapter. All right, Nathan Kolar, thank you so very much. If you're in the uh, Franklin, Tennessee, the Nashville area, if you're in the Nashville area, you're looking for a place called Graceland Church. Graceland Church. Graceland, Graceland Church. Graceland Church. Nathan Kolar, pastor, uh, Jess, his wonderful, without a doubt, better than he is, wife. Um, they've got these three there's four amazing kids he's got these three daughters that are cute as a button then he's got this uh, baby boy and uh you know we always would joke thank god you got that boy um because raising three daughters has got to be something <laughs> i've got one man and it's like having 900 kids so i'm just saying uh three daughters that's 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 incredible so if you're in the nashville area you're looking for graceland church feel free to go and i know a few of you in franklin man so get out of your bed on Sunday and go hit the church because you'll love the way the guy vibes. Uh, he's just an, he's a, a spectacular pastor. He's got the heart the size of this country. And he's a PK. He was a pastor's kid. And again, most pastor's kids, uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> end up derailing in ways that you know you don't want to talk about uh but uh this guy's just miraculous um so hit him up hey i'm jr jrman.com jrmahon.com i'm a spiritual director and mentor and so a lot of people will always ask me what's the difference between you and a coach well here's the difference between me and a coach um, I'm going to help you take the guesswork out of God, number one. That's what I'm going to do. And what does that mean? I know we all walk around wondering what the divine wants us to do. Does he want us to do this? Should I make this decision? Should I make that decision? And a lot of us rely on protection mechanisms to make big, huge decisions. Like a lot of us rely on our ego. That's not a great thing to do. A lot of us rely on fear. That's not a great thing to do. Some of us rely on the opinions of others because if we do make a decision, we'll please them, we'll please a tribe, we'll please a person, we'll please a group. That's not a good thing to do. And so sometimes, sometimes we rely on substances to help us get through and make decisions along the way. And that's even worse. So I'm the guy that really challenges to go inward with what your wants and desires are, all believing that the divine does sit in you and really, really wants to hang and have a relationship with you in some manner. And again, that some manner, I think, is the cause of our lives um, to really uh, spread our wings and uh, really achieve uh, and go for a relationship with God, a relationship with the divine, however you want to split hairs with what you're going to call him, her. So that's what I help you do, period, end of story. And I do that by digging deep in the present and going right for what's happening in your life right now, along with looking at the past a little bit, because you can't do right now without knowing where the hell you came from, and that's all there is to it. So I help take the guesswork out of God. For me, there is no magical mystery tour boss of God. He's not driving, and he's not not telling you where you're going. I think very deliberately, he, very deliberately, I think he, he, he wants to shed light on what's happening in you. And he does that in a couple ways. The biggest way is he wants you to receive his love and give his love. And I think right there is the bundle of joy that you're looking for, uh, which takes a lot of the edge off. It gives you nothing to prove and nothing to lose and live an undefended life. Um, live an undefended life. So 
Uh, if you need a spiritual director or mentor, I'm your guy. If you're going through big, heavy decision-making, either relationships, career, faith, family, anything of those, give me a call. I know you want to talk. That's the other thing I get about people. We, we want to talk. For a, the longest time in my life, I, I, I didn't talk, and it screwed me hardcore. And it led me into addiction, and it led me into being an ass, and it led me into being siloed and away and up and away from it, making bad decisions until I really started to talk. And uh, I know you want to do that. So my number's on the website. My email's are on the website. You can call me. I, I promise you I'll call you back, uh, and, um, and we'll hang. Day 37 is today. Day 38 is tomorrow. Thank you for being along with my passion. I love you. See you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.